Today's show is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Head over to CuffLinks.com this holiday season and you will find amazing gifts for everyone in the family. They got socks, ties, belts, CuffLinks, of course, and a host of other stuff that you're just going to love. It's going to make you look good when you step out in the morning and they've always got codes for you to save. Use code ELVES. Elves, baby, just like Santa, and get free three-day shipping on any order over $100 plus 15% off. What? 15% off $100 plus plus free three-day shipping. It's a holiday bonanza at cufflinks.com, and that's from December 4th to the 18th. Go out and use that code ELVES. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use that code. Support our sponsor. Thank you, Cufflinks. We love you. Happy holidays. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Watchmen. My name is Axel, and my co-host today for the finale are both Aaron Otto and Roberto Suarez. Hello, Roberto. Hello. It's good to have you, buddy. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, what's up? How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Doing good, brother. Today, we're all going to be talking together about Watchmen Season 1, Episode 9, the season finale entitled See How They Fly, directed by Frederick E.O. Toy and written by Damon Lindelof and Nick Hughes. You can send us feedback to DVRpodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out DVRpodcast.com. Now, I'm going to be back on Friday with a feedback cast with Michael Aaron. So if you have any feedback, feel free to email it in. We love getting the feedback. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to our patron friend, great guy, Andy. It was his birthday the other day. Happy birthday, Andy. Also, thanks to Al Shalant, OK Cho Being, Sour Sop M., for the Apple Podcast reviews. We're at 67. I set the goal of 50. We made 67. Amazing. Yeah. And also, you know what? I messed up the other day. I thought we were at 29 on Patreon, but we're not. We made 32. So Tay, John, Elena, Giuseppe, Kim, Michael, we're at 30 patrons. I announced that I was going to give out more prizes for the Cufflinks prize. I was going to announce that today, but I decided since we're doing feedback on Friday, I'll give people more people a chance to enter in. All you have to do is send feedback to the email and you'll be entered in for a chance to win a prize from Cufflinks.com. Now I'm going to give away three prizes. That's right. I'm going to give away three prizes on Friday with Michael Aaron. So send your email. We'll randomly choose that during live on the show. That's all I got. Thank you, everybody. Love you, patrons. Love you, Apple Podcasts. Downloading. Everybody's awesome. We had a great season. Now, I had my chance to talk about the finale with Gina. So I wanted to give Aaron and Roberto a chance to just kind of Stream of consciousness, how they felt about this finale. Roberto, welcome back, brother. You're up first. What did you think? So I thought it was an adequate ending to the story. I did not feel it was a great ending to the story. Um, and I think the biggest part that uh, maybe left me a little bit disappointed was that the way True was characterized in the final episode seemed a little uh, inconsistent 
with some of the stuff that had been set up up until that point, I felt like I was expecting that the plan that she had with the Millennium Clock was going to be something different from what the 7K were planning. But ultimately, both of them had the same plan. Both the 7K and True wanted to do the same thing. And so that left me a little... Uh, I don't know, a, a, a little bit like underwhelmed with the uh, with the execution of that. Um, and that the Millennium Clock arc, had it had a different plot, I think you could have still you could have still come back to the ending that we have here. You know, we had been speculating for a long time about how the Millennium Clock may be some kind of a transmitter to try to make people more empathetic. And the reality is that whether you use uh, uh, a giant squid to implant uh, fear into people's minds or or you use a giant clock to implant uh, uh, empathy into people's minds. Both are not the solution, right? You cannot force empathy any more than you can force fear. So you could have still had an ending in which we realized that even though True's intents may have been nobler than Veidt's, they were still erroneous intents and lead to a similar conclusion to this. So I guess I, w- I was left a little bit empty with be- the whole purpose of the clock being oh, it's just another Manhattan trap. And, and really what, what, what happened was, which I, I guess you know, going back to some of the things that we were speculating is that what she was waiting for was for the 7K to trap Manhattan so that then she could come in and snag Manhattan from them. She set up the 7K to do the work for her. Um, and then she ended up basically executing on their plan or trying to execute on their plan. So I kind of feel like this episode was a bit of the return of the Jedi of the series. Uh, You know, return of the Jedi to me has always been a bit of a disappointing star Wars film because it felt like some of the aspects of the story became a little goofier with the exception of, (laughs) with the exception of one aspect in return of the Jedi, you know, outside of the Luke vader and emperor dynamic everything else feels a little goofier and here in this finale episode i kind of got a sense that outside of the angela will dr manhattan story everything else kind of took a turn for for a little bit goofier or or a little bit too simplified and so that's kind of how it left me okay interesting interesting Interesting. what do you think hustler so I had I had several reactions to it. Um, <laughs> just there's so many. Like okay, so I, I like Roberto's point that um, it was kind of goofy. Um, I felt that was supposed to be very intentional, and I noticed something like throughout the episode. Just kind of came to it is that there are three sa- wannabe saviors of humanity, right? So we had Senator Keen. He had his own view with the seven K and all that. What his view was of. Uh, how he's going to save humanity, which was bring back white power, right? Or whatever. And then we had uh, Adrian Veidt. And he had a moment where he was, um, you know, he was talking about when uh, Lori and um, Looking Glass are trying to get him on the ship, you know, or, you know, said, you're coming with us. He started saying, don't you know who I am? And then, like, he just started going off about how great he was. And, you know, basically saying he's a saver of humanity. Then he just clunked him on the head. <laughs> um, and then with, uh, with Senator Keene, he, you know, after he talks to everybody in his uh, underoos, um, Dr. Manhattan's underoos, he goes into the chamber and he dies, right? After his big uh, exposition about how great he's going to be. And then, you know, Lady True just kind of lays a bear and he's just kind of a joke, a, a puddle yeah. mess on the floor, right? And then Lady True 
the whole episode and really all three of these guys, people, we've heard the whole series um, or, you know, the war with Adrian Veet, Veit, Ozymandias, that they're all trying to be like saviors. And so, um, you know, so then, then Lady True goes into the chamber and she's about to, you know, uh, she's talking about how she's going to take the power or whatever. And then the thing falls on her. Right. So it was just, I thought it was hilarious. Um, you know, I thought it was very comic book like, and I was also, I, I mean, I definitely get Roberto's point that it was very different than a lot of the, what the series has shown us to that point. But I felt like, um, I felt like Damon Lindelof was doing a couple different things. He was making fun of a lot of this, uh, stuff, but he was also, I did feel the moment, like Roberto said that, you know, between Angela and Dr. Manhattan and really between Angela and hooded justice as well. That was also a very powerful moment. Um, when they had their, you know, when they're in the theater, um, and they, you know, she came, she came from the um, the other Tulsa massacre, mm-hmm. and I loved how um, the show started with the Tulsa massacre and it ended with another Tulsa massacre. I, I mm-hmm. love that juxtaposition; it was really, really good. Um, and then I also loved how it ended. And I'm actually, I'm just going to say it right here: I don't want there to be another a season. I don't. I, I'm perfectly content with it ending in here, and I, I'd rather use my imagination. I don't need to see anything else. However, I mean, if somebody does, you know, do another series, I'm going to watch probably. But I think that this one standalone season really, or bottle season, as you say, um, really um, is perfect. And it doesn't need anything else. You took the words right out of my mouth there, Aaron. My, one of my quotes on the notes that I wrote down is, great final scene. I don't need season two. So I think it, 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 that ending was perfect for what it was as, as telling basically a complete, in a way, this is just a nine hour movie. And I think it just worked, worked really well that way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Great thoughts, guys. Um, I respect Roberto where you're coming from. And I think that that, that you're not alone in feeling that kind of comic booky Batmanish 1960s kind of um, silliness, as you said. I like Aaron enjoyed that, and mm-hmm. the way I kind of have come to think about it is that we've been talking the whole time. There's like two different shows, right? There's Vite on Europa, and there's what's happening in Oklahoma. And it's like once he kind of joined the in Oklahoma and we knew he was there, all those aspects that had been peeking through with Lori and even with like Lube Man and Red Skin, like there was <laughs> there's always an absurdity to this show, right? I mm-hmm. agree with you that they became heightened. And Vite, especially, once he kind of is free and joins this world. I feel that lady true's character changed as soon as he woke up. And I, for me, as I was watching it and when I rewatched it, I felt it was like, um, she really was having a reaction to her dad. Like she had literally only met him one time before. And then she kind of what she was like off And then when he got zapped away, she was really upset, remember? And she was like, I really wanted him to be here. Mm -hmm. And it it, it kind of, um, it maybe wasn't communicated 
overwhelmingly, I guess, with her character because so much of her character up to that point had been, I know all the answers, I'm in control. Um, But this was her out of control. And it was, I think, with the absurdity that was added to it, I mean, the Seventh Calvary, the the church was there. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like... They didn't just zap them all, but it was like the pews and it was like, it, it was a play, you know, it became mm-hmm. very heightened. Just like Europa. Yeah, exactly. You're right. It, those elements kind of coalesced and I just kind of went along with it, but I definitely see where you're coming from that there was a part of me that had almost expected a little bit more of a leftovers type ending mm-hmm. that was more heavily about John and Angela. And instead of just that moment and the moment at the end, mm-hmm. I, ex- I too was kind of t- a little bit taken off court, but it was so fun. It just took me away. I just wanted to say, uh, uh, jump in on that. I did like, I was at the end there when they were like in the theater and then they had the conversation. They're just kind of chilling. It didn't. And then they're walking through the street and through the streets of Tulsa. And then they're at home and it just seemed like, okay, we'll put the kids in bed. And it was, it was just seemed a little off. Something was a little (laughs) off and that whole thing. And then she's just like, Oh, I'm going to clean up these eggs. And, you know, and then I was, and the thing to to me is, I want to ask you guys both this: Did um, did Hooded Justice know that Angela had that? You know, that Doctor Manhattan was going to do that, um, give give her the egg, or did he know about that? And that's why he kind of pointed to it a couple times. I I personally feel like he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if maybe he had. A, I mean, he he made it sound like Manhattan uh, had said something. I mean, that when he says to her, "You can't make an omelet without break, breaking any first breaking any eggs," I think he alludes to the fact that that was something Manhattan had told him. Didn't yeah. know, not knowing what it meant necessarily, but maybe knowing the but, type of person Manhattan is, maybe he understood that there was some kind of important key information there. So then when they're at the home and he's at the kitchen and he kind of points it out to her, maybe that's him also making the realization that it has something to do with that. But I don't know. It's very possible that he had planned it ahead of time too. Yeah. yeah I think that when he, um, so when Louis Gossett Jr. tells her right before he about he's, I mean, Hooded Justice tells her right before she's going to clean up the eggs or he said, you know, he could have done a lot more with that power. It's almost like, yeah. you know, he's pointing to the eggs and like, it's almost like he knows, like he wants her to think like to do that, mm-hmm. to be that person. Yeah. You know? I, I, uh, I got that feeling too, Hustler. I did that. And especially when he says he could have done more like, yes, that's what I mean. That's he, what he said. Yeah. Yep. He, you know, she was like. Uh, you miss him, don't you? Right? And she's like, yeah, yeah. And he and he looks at her. and He goes, man, he could have done more. <laughs> it's yeah. almost like a. It was almost like a Larry David curb your enthusiasm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and then it could have been like, but um, I I got the feeling that he was saying you can do more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's like Gina brought up, which I thought was so awesome and just kind of put everything in perspective to me, like the way that Angela just basically finds the egg she's like it comes to her and she's like all right fuck this he mentioned the water he mentioned the egg i'm i'm picking up on this like 
the the clues that they were giving us, the way they were writing it, echoed how the character themselves started to pick up on how Dr. Manhattan was laying the clues. And I like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And she just did it. And that was her choice to whether or not she gets the power or not. It was her choice to make that choice, right? And to go for it and to exert her will um, that is empowering and is kind of in alignment with the themes of the show. Um, I wanted to mention uh, – something you had said also Roberto about how lady true's plan was the same plan as the Calvary. And that was a little disappointing Yeah, that because we had, we, and not only us, but many people had theorized that she was going to try to do like we had talked about, like something that had to do with um, race or racial memory. And I guess I was kind of disappointed about that too. I have yeah, I mean, to admit, there was a lot of setup, for example, yeah. between between the nostalgia drug, the uh, the fact that the millennium clock was this device that was, you know, going to be activated. We had read in the PDpedia about how, how televisions had been distributed to everybody in the community uh, by Lady True, that she had acquired all this stuff. And uh, we had the whole thing going on with the the elephant in the, in, in, in her lab. Uh, so there was all these pieces there that looked like they were alluding to her plan being something different. Um, but ultimately, it ended up being basically a tug of war between the 7th K and Lady True over Dr. Manhattan. And And I think, though, that I was disappointed about that. But when I thought about it more, I guess the conclusion I came to is that it shows how she was distracted by the need to have – Vite there. Vite. That she also had the same egomania he did, as illustrated right. by when he says, "Take takes one to know one." I think you know? what happened. I think what happened too is that the true character, when you know when she was initially introduced in the, I want to say, it was the third or fourth episode at the, at the Clark fa- family farm, um, she was introduced with more of a kind of egotistical behavior. Uh, she, you know, she shows up, offers the baby, tells them, you know, you have so much time to do it or I'm going to kill the baby. She's got this very kind of aloof attitude and everything is very uh, transactional. But then over the course of the next few times when we saw her, you know, with her working with Will, working with the nostalgia, all of that stuff kind of kind of shifted. And then with this final episode, it's like we returned to that original characterization. Uh, and I would say it, it didn't just begin with True in this episode. It began with True's mom. I mean, the whole, the whole scene of True's mom getting inseminated with, uh, with uh, Veidt's um, uh, uh, spe- specimens. Yeah. Um, all all, all, all kind of was played, you know, it was kind of played at a level of, 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 I don't want to say parody, but it it just it just seemed Absurdity. to play at a level of humor that yeah. we had not seen up until that point necessarily, and so um, so then with that context, you know, then you kind of see kind of the the the, the a, a less depth in the character, starting from how the, even the mom kind of approached um, her whole purpose you know it was a very egotistical thing right she just wanted to guarantee that she had the smartest kid 
so she could go on to become this person in the future. Um, it wasn't necessarily coming from a place of a mother who was nurturing her daughter to help her develop empathy and this kind of stuff. It was a very egotistical uh, type of uh, thing, which then, you know, you can then look look at that and say, well, from somebody like that, then, yes, I could definitely see somebody like Lady True coming. But we didn't get to know any of that until that final episode. Yeah. Well, I'd I'd say there were a couple. I was going to say there were a couple moments where I felt like we saw that, like when she was talking to Angela down in the basement with the or at level zero with the blue ball, Mm -hmm. the blue earth. um, I felt like there were a couple moments there where she was like, I'm the savior. I'm going to be the fucking savior of humanity or some shit. Um, yeah. and there are a couple other moments that weren't as, you know, as, I, get, I, I think I felt like her character is a little bit more complex and we're supposed to only see like, we're, it, I, I can never figure out exactly what's where her character was going to go, but I'd never thought that she was going to be, um, a good, the good guy. Yeah. Know, and, the, like, and I'm not saying she was the oh, good no, guy. No. I, I guess I was just looking for a, I, I just was expecting her to be have maybe a, a, a deeper level of complexity, even though sure. ultimately yeah. I yeah. think she was on the wrong, uh, you know, no matter what. I mean, I, the, the 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 final plot of this episode, where you, if you were to g- summarize this, it comes down to the Spider-Man uh, primary theme, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And mm-hmm. then depending on who holds that power, that's going to have huge consequences. Exactly. Now, we've seen, we've seen already Manhattan has had this power. And in a way, it was his ignoring his responsibility that led to the situation we're in right now, because he did not like uh, like uh, Will uh, uh, Reeves said, you know, he could have done more. He he had a power and decided to kind of be irresponsible, not in the traditional way of abusing it. But if anything, he just kind of ignored it. Uh, Then you have Ozymandias and you have Lady True, uh, who are coming from the perspective of using the power because they see themselves as better than everybody else. The white knight. They're the, the, the here to save the day. And then you've got the 7K who are, I'm going to use the power to benefit what I, those that I believe need to benefit from it. So all of those are examples right. of power being used irresponsibly, right? And ultimately exactly. the idea is, well, somebody like Angela may be the key, you know, with the experience that she has had, with the memory she now carries from her grandfather, does she has she ha, does she have enough maturity to be able to wield this power in a truly responsible way? And that's why I love that ending, because it leaves it leaves us then with that kind of uh question for us to wrestle with. And, and the idea uh, and, that this whole season was Angela's origin story. It's her journey, right? It's right. Her, it's, like we've talked about one of the first theories uh, I think we talked about like the first episode was that Angela actually has superpowers that she's a clone or so, right? Like, mm-hmm. may, and then in the end, perhaps that's that's where we can kind of see this fermenting, like in the way that Gina was talking about that it and and that it, that reading of the story does fulfill the themes that right. we have dealt with seriously but i do agree with you that 
For instance, the way we saw Looking Glasses episode, Lori's episode, the episode when she takes Nostalgia Angela, uh, the even the first scene of the season had a depth uh, and a realness that this episode didn't really, not until the end when they're sitting in the theater and you start to feel that right. end where we begin kind of feeling. Um does it have that same kind of resonance? But I liked that because I think that that kind of makes it its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I, I just really enjoyed that in the end, like Aaron said, where all these powerful people have ridiculous endings, right? Like Vike gets carried away too. Um, that uh, Lady True's Millennium Clock was self-indulgent. It was. We thought it was going to be this great thing, you know, just this like, great thing for humanity. Yeah, but it really was it a was great self- thing for her. It was, yeah, it was self completely self-indulgent for her. Mm-hmm. And 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 the idea that we had, which I think perhaps they were trying to communicate to us. Um I've yet to listen to the last podcast uh that has come out with Damon, but um I would be interested if anyone ever gets a chance to ask, like, was there ever talk about the millennium clock being a device that beamed these memories? I think Mm -hmm. that that was kind of in there to think in the same way that Dr. Manhattan could have done more. Lady True could have done more. Everybody and and, and Vite seemed to have known about the Millennium Clock too, because it was originally his design. So so yeah. when he sees it, right. he comments he to Lady True. He says, "You did it. It's magnificent," kind of thing, right? Um, but it, I never necessarily got an, a hint that Vite was interested in doing something to steal Manhattan's power. Maybe it was there, but I, I don't. I, if anything, I was always about more yeah, about destroying Manhattan or neutralizing Manhattan. Than stealing his yeah, power. Yeah, but you'd think he'd have those thoughts and that he'd was have the plan that mm-hmm. he had, you know? Because he's the well, man with the plans. So he had plan A, which was amnesia, and plan B, which was blow up. Maybe plan C was capture. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, w- I like to that. chime it in there. ABC. Oh, I get it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to chime in there, and I feel like. Um, I, the way that the season has gone for me and the way that it ended, I feel that Dr. Manhattan was actually the architect of a lot of what happened um, when it came to Angela. I mean, so we how, we saw the promotional ad of Angela in blue for how, how long has that been out there circulating? Yeah. Was that circulating the beginning, from the very beginning? Since, since the first, the first uh, to promotional images came out. Yeah, so then my question would be, it feels like Dr. Manhattan knows exactly what's going to happen, yeah. and that the episode before, when we're hopping around in time, right, he's almost, I feel like that's, he's teaching her how to be him. Well, and I and, think, yeah, no, go yeah, ahead, Aaron, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, oh, no, that's okay. Um, and then uh, I feel like, yeah, he's teaching her to be him in some way. I mean, she obviously has to make the choice, so once a that she wants to do it. But I think that this is his way of saving humanity. In the mm-hmm. end, he does by making Angela that, you know and, what I mean? By passing yeah. it on, but go yeah. ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that. Remember that in that previous episode as well, this is the episode in which he fell in love with Angela. And 
I believe it is the first time when he, as Dr. Manhattan, has ever truly experienced love. And it was through an act of empathy because she saw her sacrifice her life to save him. And I think that may have been the moment of realization for him of who is the one who can truly wield this power. Yeah, baby. And be better even than what even than what I did with it. Right. You need somebody like. Angela to be to be the one to wield this power so uh, that that I think is critical to him making the decision to set these things in motion including the fact that Will's entire collaboration with True was a ruse he had he was playing True all along based on Manhattan's plan that they had developed back when they uh, when they met so um, so yeah, so it. I very much. I, I believe that without him having had that experience of feeling for the first time true love with Angela, he would not have been able to make the decision he made. That's a really good point, man. It's love, baby. I like that point about Will because that's something I had in the notes that he says she asked him about Lady True Angela, and he said, "I have no love for her." Right. She got. Mm-mm. She just got what she wanted. I got what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And what yep. he wanted, she tried was, to use Keen, and he used her. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that's that. they. He well, I think that was part of what got Will off. Right. Is that he mesmerized? Like Keen and all them were mesmerized by True, uh-huh. and they trick and they got to use them to get her final thing, which ended up in killing all and getting all of them killed. But it was still – what did you guys feel about his character? Um, it, it seemed – you know, I think Put about – justice? Yeah, because I, I think okay. about like he had – when he said he could have done more, he was also talking about himself. I mean he had oh, that mesmerizing stuff for all this time and then it's like he too – I would put him in – almost the same category maybe he it's more of a redemption at the end but sim in a similar category as um vite and true though different but no i i feel like it's more like dr manhattan than those guys i think he and dr manhattan are more like okay i th- I, I, I see where you're coming from where they they maybe there was a redemption there because like it's not that I think he so broke bad um, by, you know, shooting everybody in the head and stealing sure. the projector, but it's that what did he do after is what I look at. And exactly. from everything we read, whether it's the PDPedia stuff or in within the show itself, it seems like he just basically laid low until Dr. Manhattan came to him and then he yeah. kind of kicked into action. So in the end, he it, it is what he really just followed Dr. Manhattan's plan. Yeah. Yeah. And Am I wrong and about that? I think the piece too with Will is that he, I think he, he came to Angela. I should say that. I think Will, Will comes to an understanding of the anger that was in him and the purpose, the, right. the, the way he was focusing that anger that, you know, thinking back to his relationship with his wife and what ended up leading to his wife and son leaving him was that he, again, it was, how was he using that anger? Comes Coming back to the question of power and responsibility, right? It became a selfish act more so than, uh, you know, yes, it was fueled by a, by a social justice mission, but it became an act of, of vengeance and retribution uh, on his part. 
And so I think part of his arc was being able to come to the realization that whatever whatever action you take, you know, you, you have to take yourself out of the equation. And, you know, it, it's just as selfish as Manhattan, I mean, uh, as Lady True or as the 7K were being with regards to Manhattan's power. And I feel like also that Will, like, uh, Will was there to teach Angela by taking the pills, by being him, by experiencing what he experienced, seeing being the mass, because they are very similar to not just being his grandfather. I like this and, hustler. This is like a comic I, book training. This is like uh, a Duke Luke on Dagobah. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like they did a training. Like what we watched was ways yeah. that the ways Angela was being pushed. It'll be interesting to go back, and I'll I would wait a while and rewatch the season as a whole, knowing like the Dr. Manhattan of it all and sure. kind of seeing how that plays out and seeing, because, you know, Angela did have those tendencies. I mean, even to find out where Dr. Manhattan was, she's torturing the guy in the back of the truck, just breaking his fingers, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so it's interesting. And, I, and part of that training, I think was also teaching Angela, not only his history, but also where he went wrong and what his mistakes were. That's you know right. the sacrifices that 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 led be, that uh, or the 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 things he gave up and the things he sacrificed for the sake of carrying out his mission and kind of showing Angela that you know there is a there are consequences to be paid depending on the path that you take and so learn from this so you don't make similar mistakes yeah take a little break to tell you about our presenting sponsor cufflinks.com and December 9th through the 20th Use code Skywalker to save 20% off Star Wars. That's right, baby. Use code Skywalker, just like Luke, and save 20% off. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. You know, I was just looking over at Cufflinks. I was saying, man, you know, I'm going to be giving away some great prizes to all the people that emailed. And if we hit our goal of 50 reviews and 30 patrons, either goal, I'm throwing in another one and I'm going to get two winners and they're going to be able to pick from a variety of awesome stuff from cufflinks.com, Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, they've got it all. Plus, if you just want to look good, you don't have to geek out, you can just look good. Go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. What do you guys think about another point, and we had all mentioned it last week, is that Looking Glass did in fact take 
um, a mask, a mm-hmm. 7K mask. He tried to rescue Lori. Yeah. In the end, he just kind of got zapped away. But then we pick up with them in Antarctica, and in the end, him and Lori, you know, arrest Adrian Veidt and take him away. But how does Looking Glass? Uh, we had such a powerful episode this season. How did you feel about his kind of his end in the episode? So, Aaron, did you want to tackle this first, or do you want? Me yeah, to yeah. I'll, um, so, I thought it was. I mean, I, I did think he would have more of an ending the way that they set his character up. I mean, did he? How much did he really contribute at the end? I mean, I don't think he did much other than being there. Um, and you know, I guess, yeah. There, I mean, it didn't. It seemed it, the way that it was set up. It felt like he was going to be more important, but in the end, he just was sitting there next to Or, and he got zapped to. Antarctica, right? So, besides bopping uh, Vite on the head, he really didn't do much. <laughs> so, and I, so that you know, I didn't really understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, his character was important to understand, like what happened with the squid attack and some other things. It just seemed like at the time that he would have more of a role to play at the end. I'm not disappointed in it. It's fine. It doesn't matter to me at all. But uh, I was just. I thought it would be more of a role than what he had. I, I felt like the episode kind of let him let the character down a bit. And I don't know if it was simply because of a constraint of time that we didn't have enough more time to develop the character because we went from somebody who was highly traumatized to all of a sudden at the end of this when, you know, his fight is knocked on the head. Again, kind of having this kind of jokey moment at the end with Laurie going, oh, he talks too much. Uh, and and Lori's turn in arresting Veidt seemed very disingenuous to me to her character as well. If anything, the way that I think that scene should have played out is Lori arrests Veidt, and then Looking Glass turns to Lori and says, and I'm arresting you because you knew all along and you never did anything. I mean, if anybody should be pissed that this information was <laughs> hidden all these years, I mean, he's That's been good. traumatized his entire right. life. And then he's just yeah. joking with Lori in the end. If anything, it should have ended with him arresting both of them and then going into the into the uh, owl ship and saying, I'm driving and, you know, taking off with the two of them to arrest them both. So yeah. I, I, I felt like he it, like that was not a very genuine uh place for those characters to end specifically for Lori and for looking glass uh, you know yeah. especially since Lori is always making fun of looking glass it would have been nice to see looking glass kind of get the upper hand on Lori in the end and be like you've been an unwitting accomplice for 30 years you're under arrest as well and and takes them both in uh, and that would have been to me a much more powerful kind of conclusion to his thing. And then let him be the one who blows the lid on the whole Redford administration knowing about this shit. Yeah, I get your point. I think it was just like um, trying to be funny and comical and maybe definitely it could have gone either way. I don't mm-hmm. I, I think he was just trying to have a kind of a fun moment at that point. But I, I, I agree. It wasn't I mean, really necessarily true to the characters. Like, like to me, the way he was behaving in this episode is not the same guy from the episode yeah. that was dedicated to him. And I, I sure. think it kind of was a disservice to his character. 
I yeah, we didn't get to see we didn't get to see the character morph, right? We just saw him go through that. Then he he gave up Angela. He had that one moment there, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then we just kind of disappeared off the map. The only other thing that I can think of, and it kind of came to me as we're talking about it, is the only reason that he was important is that he had that video because I guess it's going to get exposed. That's right. the only yeah, thing I can yeah. think about, right? Of yeah, why that's he was interesting. Um, I have to say that I really liked it. I didn't have a problem with um, Lori or Looking Glasses um, participation or kind of the way they acted. I felt for Lori, the reaction may uh, she wasn't there to see him, uh, John die, and I yeah. thought that she would maybe be a little bit more yeah. upset about what was, you know, kind of when she found out and what happened after. And I think that, I guess the way I feel about it is that with those characters, I didn't necessarily need like kind of an Angela like moment. And I like the idea that even if we don't get a second season, I kind of like the idea that in a finale, some characters you write with you, instead of finishing their arc, you show potential for a new arc, like almost like you show a little bit of season uh, episode one of season two in the finale. And that's Mm -hmm. how I felt about their characters. I felt like Lori was her growth was that she, in the end in cut in bopping a vite over the head and kind of teaming up with looking glass and looking glass kind of instantly. You're right. It was weird. Like forgiving her (laughs) for the fact that I would be pissed at her. If I was looking glass and I just found out that she's known for 30 years and I've been traumatized by this all this time, I would, I would think of her as a, as an unwitting accomplice that she's uh, partially responsible for the trauma he's experienced. And thousands of people have been experiencing for I do. All this I under, time. Yeah, I understand that. I guess the way I feel about it is that it made me understand better the end of his episode when he goes back out and gets the alarm anyway. That in the end, he's more kind of pragmatic and just wants to like, okay, well, I'm going to cover my base. And I think that when he found out, when he got to process it, and the 7K tried to kill him, and then he goes, he tries to get Lori, and then he zapped over. It's just such an extraordinary series of events that I think he was just kind of caught up in the – I took it as just being caught up in the moment, and he finds out that Lori knew. His reaction is it is he's – obviously, he's upset at that point, right? And he gets upset when he's there. But it's kind of played play for laughs. He kind of goes, oh, does all the FBI know about this? You know, like it kind of, it's almost kind of played as a little bit of a, 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 of a sitcom kind of moment. But in the end, his phobia was um, not real, right? Like it was, it was absurd. So I kind of accept, I, though I, though I accept where you're coming from, mm-hmm. I kind of accepted that. And it was, and I also felt that it was a little bit more since it involved Vite, it did get a little bit more of that comic booky type feel. So I kind of liked, I thought that that was a almost like, um, could have been a potential spinoff like Laurie and Looking Glass, 
Like she's like she. Well, they have to go right get him. Dan, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, they go get to go Dan. Get exactly. Take his owl ship and break him out yes. of jail. No. They break Dan out, and like so, though that is not. I don't think it does. So for me, it doesn't do a disservice to that episode. I felt that that was a great episode of television. But in the in the end, he was kind of an absurd character. He and he was in a way. Um, silly the whole time so and lori was cantankerous and quickly prone to just like what the fuck you know throughout the entire thing which i think kind of gave what happened in the end where she decides to arrest vite it was a absurd in a little in a in a way but as we find out in the pdpedia thing it may not have gone the way she thought right because the the oh we have our last we can talk about that a little bit that last PDPedia article, which mm-hmm. seems to be her as she's kind of in custody or whatever. So what they end up doing with Vite is anybody's guess. They probably let him back out on the street, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, I I felt like the you know I think Lori I I, I didn't see much character development for Lori at that point. I think her realizing her hand in the conspiracy would have been an important thing to reveal. And I think giving Looking Glass the opportunity to kind of finally put his trauma behind himself by bringing these people to justice would have been a a nice way to close up that arc. I do like Um, your way though, Roberto. If that had happened, I would have said, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of because ultimately, I mean, Lori, I think is still very much the same Lori. I mean, and, and, and I think it would have been interesting for her to acknowledge that it's, uh, you know, again, she had, in a way, she could have done more. She knew the truth behind the, all this stuff, and she could have done something with it. Um, and uh, and yet she sat on that information that could have tied to her trauma, that could have t- t- tied to her whole uh, issues that she's had for all these years. And so uh, leading her to kind of be- acknowledge that responsibility and having Looking Glass be the one, a, a person who was traumatized by the actions that were taken by Vite and indirectly by the silence of people like Lori, um, then then he is the one who now can help rectify that. So I agree, but I also kind of think in the end, what choice did Lori have? You know, like I, I if we do really like drill down into it, and I I agree with you that he could be angry at her, but it's like she did not have anything to do. It's not like he's she's Dr. Manhattan. I mean, you could blame him more for making the situation that uh, enabled the squid. But Lori was really, I mean, she kept the secret, but she didn't really have a, ch- a choice. They got Dan in prison. She was, you know what I mean? Like, so I think for me... I mean, we. I guess we don't know, right? I mean, th- th- there is a, a Rorschach made the choice. He paid. He paid with his life, <laughs> but he made that choice to disclose the information, right? <laughs> but Rorschach did make that choice yeah, that she didn't true. make, that's right? True. Well, that that is true, but that's a you know. Yeah. I mean, well, that's I why she her character is flawed, you know, and I think that's that's pretty much showed from the outset. She just doesn't have what it takes to be that hero, like none of these people nor do. Does Only she want to. Does. Plus, that could have yeah. been your Dan Dreber cameo when she goes to jail and she joins him in his <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> that would have been fun. That would have, that would have been fun. Been. I like that. Um, let's mention um, 
Oh, okay. So we talked a lot about the farm and the meteorite or whatever that crashed. Yeah. And I think it's safe to say that that was Vite coming back, right? Oh, totally. Um, Aaron, heads up to you for your long explanation about how it that that field um crossfaded into the front of the museum and looked like a cage where they'd have doctor mm-hmm. like that's it because that's exactly what happened mm-hmm. and you were right about that and Vite was in the statue and yeah. if it was it was, it was that, frozen in carbonite basically so if that did happen on the night of Judd's funeral then Vite has been in the show since the very like maybe like the second episode right he's been and in if, the show or if it happened a couple of years in the past what if, if if the acquisition of the land happened a couple either of years way, before right either way Vite's been there Vite has been on earth pretty much all along since the beginning of the episode yeah and i did i like the part one of the things i found interesting was the way that they went to, I think, a, a pretty far lengths in in the beginning part to illustrate that the whole game warden thing was it his own invention and that he basically, since Lady True visited him in Antarctica, he knew when the satellite was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And he was just, as soon as he kind of figured out that he didn't want to be at Europa. Yeah. He knew he had eight years or so, or however, until the satellite came. It was like five. Five years. And then for the time it take to get him, right, that he was going to be stuck there. So he was never really trying to, like, get out, get out. He was always just trying to communicate to the satellite. Mm Mm-hmm. That I thought thought was kind of cool. And 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 another point. thing, too. Yeah, another point on that, when when – Adrian Veidt is talking to his daughter. He said, you are not my daughter. And then he says, save me, daughter. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. just great humor. I love yeah. that. Well, right. And that was the point. He said, I, w- I will never call you daughter. And then mm-hmm. when it truly becomes necessary for him to reach out to her, that's when he uses the <laughs> term daughter to call her uh, out. Crawl and back I, to her. I like that. I'm glad you brought that up, Aaron, because I think there was a little bit in the beginning part with Lady True and the mom. I felt that there was kind of a commun- – they were communicating a little bit about the nostalgia of not only like racial identity or like cultures and societies, but your own family and how Lady True, she – you know, her greatest failure, she said, was nostalgia. And it kind of was because she, the, bringing her father back destroyed her. Mm. He killed his own daughter. Right? right, and then Lori, in a sense, was the girl with the brick. Was she though? Did she help? She kind of came up with the idea and helped them do it, I guess. But um, I don't know if that works out. But I felt that that was kind of interesting to me. How that was something I gleamed off the Vite Lady True relationship, mm-hmm. and a theme that I picked up in this episode was kind of how your own family history just your you know even your immediate nuclear family is a nostalgia in a sense as well hmm. that's, that's good. a good point that's good. yeah cool um let's see what else we got uh we talked about uh vite in the field dr manhattan 
Lori Looking Glass. Oh, okay. So let's kind of talk about the fi- the final scene here. Um, do you do you guys do you think that that egg had Doctor Manhattan's powers in it? Um, uh, what do you think they were communicating? Uh, because we talk, we did talk about it before, but. What are your what's your kind of final analysis on that hustler? Uh, so I'll just say that yeah, I do think um, that the powers were in the A because we've had the setup the whole time. I mean, yeah, it could be either way, but to me, why why would you set it up like that and then not be true? I mean, um, it, it could be the only reason that I can think of uh, if she didn't have the powers to say, okay, you don't need this to actually make change in the world you can do it on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, to me, that would be the only like real explanation that it wouldn't be true. So I do feel that, um, that, uh, Dr. Manhattan wanted her to, to kind of take the mantle or give her the choice. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't going to be her. It was going to be nobody. So right. he gave her the choice and I think he knew that she was going to do it. So that's very simple. And I'd like to believe that she got the powers, but ultimately what matters is the growth that you that she did as a person because right. it's with how you have changed internally and how you understand that responsibility whether you have that power that actual power or not you have to be coming from a place of empathy and of wanting to truly uh, uh to be to to give of yourself to the betterment of others, not to glorify yourself in order to bring about a better world, right? And so ultimately, whether she has the power of Manhattan or not, what matters is that she have the true power to change the world, which is to have that attitude, to have that willingness to sacrifice yourself for the greater good, which nobody up until this point, whether they had this power or not, was been able to show Everything was very self-centered and very egotistic. What matters ultimately is whether the egg gives her that power or not is how was she transformed by the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel I feel that um, that Dr. Manhattan knew that she would react that way because at every moment that Angela, would, that action was called upon, I felt like in the series, she would always take it. Now, sometimes she didn't necessarily think and she might have reacted a little angry, more angrily than she should have. But every time uh, I felt like action was demanded on her part, she took it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I also think that uh, that she. Um, uh, okay, uh, go ahead. Go go ahead, Alex. Um, I was going to say she she fulfills that hero role in the show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that if it's said that Watchmen is a superhero story without heroes. I do think that you could say that this season made it's it was like her origin story and she mm-hmm. is like she's the hero. The one thing that I found to be interesting and I don't know if it points towards what Aaron started off by saying is you know she, it, it, even if she doesn't get the powers it shows that she and what we have talked about already that she is like takes action, right? over kind of her own destiny um, is that the kind of biblical symbolism with lady true so many times they flash to that cross, right? When she was standing there, they'd show her profile and then you see the cross so many times, so many times. And then you have the whole walking on water thing, 
you know? So mm-hmm. yep. how how can you take that? Is one a symbol of the church and one a symbol of the, an act of Jesus and in a way of saying, do do the do the act, not the uh the um organization or the structure, right? Maybe yeah. is that kind of a symbol there of saying that? Or is it also saying like Angela should not want to have this power, right? Like her desire to so quickly do it and take it could be a lesson to say, no, don't take it. No one should have this power because the power is what corrupts, you know, the power in itself. So I kind of am at, I mean, initially I, I kind of, and I have to admit, I don't think I'm the only one who knew as soon as the, that she was going to reach down, take the egg, and then it was going to be about the walking on the water, and then it was going to cut. You, everybody knew it was going to cut, right? Yeah, everybody did. <laughs> like, yeah, I had a feeling that that's yeah, the way it was. I was go. like, and here it goes. Yes. Boom. We all knew it was go- <laughs> and I liked that though. That was okay with me. It didn't surprise, but I knew. And initially, my first kind of uh, right was. I thought it was going to like almost in my mind, the water started turning blue and she was doctor, the new doctor Manhattan. But then the more I thought about it and I'm talking about it now, I kind of like the ambiguity of it. Mm-hmm. So in the end, I, I want to think that this story leads us to think she could have that power. But I also like the idea that it leads us to think that, she doesn't, she falls into the pool and then she just decides to be the best mom and person and police officer that she can take be. action. Yeah. You know, and, and, and not and, wear a mask anymore. Yeah. And right. take the mask off and mm-hmm. do, do for the best that she can out of love and in the memory of what happened, you know, but then maybe also realize that she wanted that, that's that kind of that desire for that ambition and that power is maybe not a great thing. So I kind of like both of those ways about it. So I'm going to take both. I mean, is it ambition or (laughs) does she feel like Dr. Manhattan was telling her to do it? Well, you know what I mean? Like you can interpret it, you know, it's not necessarily a one for one interpretation just because she, you know, decided to take it right then. Maybe Dr. Manhattan, maybe she had something else in her head. Maybe she thought she could save Dr. Manhattan or resurrect him or yeah. something. I don't know. Some right. crazy it like that, love. but and she want, and, yeah. and I mean, there's so many ways to look about it. It was beautiful, man. Like she took her lover into her. And, right? maybe, like, and maybe, yeah, but it may be like when her grandfather was in the kitchen and said, you know, could it, you know, basically telling her could he could have done more. And she's like, I need to do more. So I need to eat this and, and do this stuff because I need to help people. Right. So I don't necessarily think it's, I think it's the opposite. Of, I don't know. Why like, I, I'm not I, saying, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying what you're saying, just the idea that, um, that it's not egotistical. I don't think well, it is. Egotistical. I always but think a well, I th- always think something well, the most well-written things are ones that, you can formulate many different interpretations and they're correct because it made you think and it opened you up, you know? And I think that that accomplished it. And even if there were some things in the episode that weren't maybe as deep, I kind of dug that, like I said, in the IR almost like Tarantino esque 
vibe of riffing off of something already, like an homage and an homage. I, and I, I kind of, uh, in the end, I really, it was great art. Yeah. Yeah. It was really it was great, great art. It was a great season. Um, is there uh, anything else that we want to discuss, Roberto? Well, you got I wanted else? to just touch touch back on the imagery of you know Lady True and kind of seeing the crucifix on the back, and I think part of part of what that was supposed to represent, or the way that I took it, was that you know institutions of power can become corrupted, no matter whether it's religion, whether it's an individual with a lot of money, you know that they were just because what we were seeing there was not necessarily. Uh, you know, Christianity in its pure form, whatever that is, it was the interpretation that yeah. the seventh K had given it, right? They were, oh, they were justifying their, their right. uh, agenda based on, on that kind of perception of their religious principles. And in just the same way, you have lady true justifying her agenda based on her perception that she's this mm-hmm. gift to the world kind of thing. I mean, she even was wearing a hat that looked like a halo on, on her head. Um, and and is standing under the the Manhattan device like she's almost about to be crucified herself yeah, kind of thing, that's, dude. That's right? great. Yeah. So that I think it was just showing you how institutions that it could be well meaning can all be corrupted if the power is used uh, with that's great irresponsibly. That's great stuff, man. That's great stuff. You had also some plot holes left dangling: the elephant yeah. and lube man. Yeah, well, so the, so they did leave those two hanging out, and I, and again, I don't know how much of this was uh, a time constraint. I kept thinking that it would have been easy to incorporate Pete. I mean, it's it's funny, interesting that we didn't see Petey as of episode uh, seven. We yeah. didn't see him again. Yeah. Uh, Petey disappeared after after he finds the bodies of the seven K in Rorschach's place. I mean, in uh, in Looking Glass's place, uh, we never saw him again in the series, and probably I, still there, right? <laughs> or yeah, you know, uh, well, but according to the to the PDPDM memo, he's been fired now, which I think is kind of a meta commentary on us having read all these memos all this time, because now basically we have a, a, a the last PDPDM memo is of the deputy director basically saying, you know, all of this crap that he's been keeping on these files is all BS. <laughs> it's all reprimanding us for reading yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. And then he says that PD has been basically dismissed and has disappeared. Uh, and in a way, it seems like he's going to, it's almost like, like PD himself is on his way to becoming uh, his own kind of Rorschach-like type of conspiracy theory slash vigilante type person. Yeah. Um, I kept hoping when you said that, on I like that. Um, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to say, you'd hope it'd be kind of be like in the opposite way. Like he's this absurd guy. He becomes like this hero for truth and justice and... Yeah. Right. <laughs> and and I, I kept waiting to have, a, you know, I, I think it could have been a funny moment if you wanted to have, you know, here I am complaining about humor in the episode. But if there was some humor I would have appreciated in this episode was to have uh, um, start off the episode when we first see Lori have two of the seventh K sit Petey dressed in his loot man outfit next to Lori saying, we caught this guy trying to sneak in here and, and have Lori kind of next to him being like, what the hell? You know, and he's like, I'm sorry. I tried to rescue you kind of thing. And then from there, pick up with, uh, with uh, looking glass, you know, being hiding there, telling them that everything's going to be fine kind of thing. So you, you could have roped it in there. Um, it seemed like an odd thing to never revisit again in the series. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I don't necessarily appreciate, you know, having 
I, I, because not everybody is going to be seeking out the the PDPedia stuff, right? So the fact that they kind of yeah, left that right. as a dangling thing in the series itself, people that should, was I, so I don't, on purpose. I don't think there should be an expectation that you nerds. should do it that way. But you know, again, uh, Lindelof has been quoted saying, "I'm not interested in doing a season two. and he even said something along the lines of, uh, "I would love to see a woman or a person of color or a woman of color take on a season two. So maybe maybe he. Does deliberately left a couple of little things here for if the show does decide to move forward this could be one one hook into another season um and then the piece of the elephant really kind of is truly an outstanding mystery uh that never really got addressed in any significant way other than that we know that lady true had a fascination for elephants so um that one what that one must be uh maybe that's a question that that is brought up to damon in an upcoming interview or something like that because that one just kind of was left out there uh without any real resolution or or connection to anything else um and then lastly i think uh Air, axel after we had discussed pdpedia last week i'm more, more and more convinced that last week's entry from pdpedia was actually after the events of this episode because yeah, i it, think so it makes a lot yeah. more sense than after the events of episode eight especially because now it's clear that the identities of the characters that they cannot identify and for for whom they need to do genetic testing are Lady True, who was crushed by a bizarro atomic bomb, and Keen, who was you know liquefied into protoplasmic goo. So they need to figure out who those characters are. So it makes sense that those are the names that are redacted from the document. Yeah. So I um, think that my that initial feeling I had was correct. It was, and and and, and I don't know. I mean, I had I had. I had believed that it was supposed to be after the events of this episode as well, but then reading some other reviewers uh, that they were claiming that it was after the events of the of episode eight uh, made me take a step back. So I should have gone with my gut because I, it definitely fits way better in the context of the the finale. Yeah. Well, I'll have to say on Lube Man, I think it's, Really funny. I think that this is like the outrigger in Lost who was shooting from yes. the outrigger. Um, it's purposeful. I think it's great. It's obviously Petey. Yeah. I think even if you didn't read the Petypedia stuff, you should know it's Petey. Um, it makes sense with the dildo and all that kind of stuff too. The elephant, I think is just a cool little thing and I don't think really needs an explanation. I yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah. It fits. We with probably never will. Fight. Yeah. It's cool. But I like it's, that you it's, brought it's it up. It's the polar bears in Lost. Yeah. yeah I exactly. Yeah. Hey, good one. I love, I love that. And the, as far as the memo goes, I love this memo. I know. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was exactly like you said about how. Petey spent the whole time making fun of American Hero story, and then this Sar- – who? what's the guy's name? Oh, I have it up here. It's Deputy Director Farragut, which yeah, that- if I'm not mistaken, I think, it, I think is the character in episode one or two that is yes. doing the slideshow. Yes, it is, who was a real mm-hmm. wise ass. Right. Um, and I love that. I remember that actor. He's a great actor. Um, just, he's just making fun of us and making fun of Petey. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that Petey now 
goes off. He either tries to rescue Lori or he joins with Lori and looking glass or they form like a new watchman. I, I just, I think it's kind of funny and I, overall, I really liked these PDpedia entries. I thought there wasn't too much of it. Mm-hmm. it. It didn't tell you too much, but it added. And I'm really glad that they did them. And I thank the writers for putting that little extra effort into it. Yeah, I, it fit really well. It wasn't, it was, like you said, it was just enough to kind of pique our interest and give a little bit more depth. Um, and it appears, like they say here, that Petey is now at risk for vigilante behavior <laughs> and uh, will more than likely continue the investigation despite the fact that we've closed it. So that's why I'm thinking he becomes maybe a, a Rorschach-like type of vigilante out there uh, who will be... a. Uh, who maybe will crop up again if if we see if we get any more uh, Watchmen on TV? Yeah, and I think the the line in it that gives away that he is Lube Man is when he says like gallons of canola oil yes. found under his desk. Oh, and a jug of what appears to be some kind of canola oil. A jug of what appears to be some kind of canola yeah. oil. Yep, um, that's good stuff. Um, all right, um, I think we've talked about a lot. I mean. My final thoughts would be the Angela uh, and John scene where they talk about their love and the whole idea of him falling in love with her in the future and how he says, I'm with you at all these moments. I really did kind of grasp onto that as far Mm -hmm. as like the most beautiful part of this and Angela's story. Um, And I did like the comic elements. I, 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 you know, you, you're persuasive, Roberto. And I, I, do, I agree. I don't disagree. Yeah, me, but I mean, hit me different, you know? But I, and I appreciate yeah. having, I mean, this is what this is all about, right? Having different points of view and discussing like it. It's, it's, right. I, I, it's not about me trying to convince anybody. It's just how, this is how I, how it worked for me, right? And so, but, uh, but I too appreciate the perspectives. And you and anybody else brings with regards to how they felt about the episode. So, yeah. But overall, I thought that they did nail a finale that answered questions both uh, plot-wise, narratively, and thematically. Mm-hmm. Kind of really brought it all together. Yeah. And I am of the thinking, I agree with Hustler, and I think with you too, Roberto, if they... I kind of hope there isn't another season. I kind of hope that Damon goes and does something new. I always want the guy to return to something more original. Lost was not really his idea, but he made it was so so little of it actually made it into of the original. And he said he's definitely not coming back for a season two, but that if I, it is going to continue, good. he'd like to see either a person of color or a woman or a person of color who is a woman pick up the reins uh, on the show. But I he, I, cool. I'm pretty sure he's stepping away from this. And that's cool with me. And if they do a second season, we'll talk about, I mean, I'd still like to podcast it because I love this world mm-hmm. and I think it's super interesting. Uh, so I think an, in, an interesting approach, an interesting approach would be maybe like an anthology, like other other stories in this world, That's right? What I would like in this Watchmen universe that has now been established, 
uh, in the modern era, right? And maybe you have some peripheral, you know, maybe that's how PD can show up once in a while. Maybe we have a crossover with PD showing up or something, but maybe have it be a completely, you could even move it forward in the future. You could even do it in the past. I mean, it could be almost like an anthology series. There, There's some potential there for that. Yeah, and I would even be for whoever comes next remixing what Damon did or even, honestly, if it was like an alternate universe or I think that this is a world that is very fertile. I think that they did such a great job. And in interviews, he said, like, we kind of put every idea we had out there. And I really do feel like that. Like, this was very dense. And if there isn't a second season at all, I'm happy if somebody else does it. I'll be happy to see who they give it to. But I Mm -hmm. definitely consider this to be a very successful season of television. And if they do do it anthology style, then whatever happens in that next season doesn't really directly impact. So you will only have this complete story that's yep. been told. Yep. I dig it. Hey, Hus, you got any final thoughts? Yeah. I, um, you know, I definitely the landing, he stuck the landing. It wasn't as mysterious as Lost or The Leftovers, um, but it did need to be. And I'm kind of glad that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, I don't want to hear people complain about it at the end because <laughs> but I, I, I always prefer mystery over getting the direct answers i like using my imagination to think about things i'm just i don't expect everybody to be the same but that's how i i run and i you know the leftovers to me was still it's my favorite show of all time and to me was the best ending of all time but that's just my personal view and it's you know it's not it's it's just a different show and i you know i can't really compare them other than say that you know damon took something that was existing and made it better you know and um he adapted a television and made it better um and he did he continued the legacy i should say because the, the original story was amazing as well it's just that he made it it's just it was much more uh it had more depth to it just because mm-hmm. of the the medium right television and just can do more yeah. so um than a comic book but um that's i i love the show i'm gonna kind of it's like a happy go lucky moment i think at the beginning of the show i was like i wanted i wanted multiple seasons i hope it wasn't just going to be a one and done but then after seeing the show then it's i'm definitely good I think it was perfect. I don't need any other answers. Um, I would like to see some other television. There's a lot of other great shows, but as you guys said, if something does come up in the Watchmen universe, I'm going to watch it. I've always was the Watchmen and that's why I wanted to watch this in the first place. So yeah, it's, it's been fa- fantastic doing this show with uh, you guys. Um, you know, you and I haven't really done a, a show together until tonight, Roberto, but um, I've listened to all your shows. You're fantastic. Um, I learned a lot from you um, from the show, and it was great doing the show tonight with you as well. Yeah, so same thanks, here. Thanks, and, thanks and to both Hopefully we'll get other opportunities to collaborate with Watchmen or whatever else comes down the pike. The nice thing is that we're living in a wonderful era of geek media out there, so there's <laughs> plenty of stuff to talk about. Uh, that's <laughs> hey, right, Roberto, man. Before we go, um, I'm going to do my little spiel where I say what we're kind of going to be up to next, but we might not hear from you again, or we probably won't in this Watchmen season. Uh, where are we going to hear you next? Probably like Radio Westworld. What else you got kicking? More than likely, the 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 most you know definite thing that is upcoming is Radio Westworld. So, uh, and that will be once uh, the new season of Westworld comes out. Uh, John oh. Whitford and I will be reviewing and recapping those episodes. So be on the lookout for that. 
Um, and then depending on, you know, I, I've got some pokers in the fire for some other ideas. Uh, or if you have any ideas and want to invite me along, you know that I'm always uh, around and game for anything that you want to do. So, but uh, at this point, that's the one, the one piece that I've got uh, coming up in the near future. When is the Westworld being released? Do you guys know? I want to say it's spring, but I'm not really sure, to be honest. Let me see if I can find something. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be mid, I think it was mid maybe to later 2020, because I think they've got a lot of special effects in this one to do. But yeah, um, I mean, all, all, all the information out right now is slated for 2020, but no specifics on when that will be uh, exactly. Uh, you know, I think uh, I think the last season was maybe I can't remember when the last season launched, if it was uh, like an April time kind of thing. I can't remember now off the top of my head. I'm kind of forgetting. Um, but uh, actually, it was fall. I think. I think the yeah, it was like a year ago, fall yeah. season. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe maybe it'll be spring, or maybe it'll be fall of next year. Not not really sure. All of those actors too have become way busier. Also, Tessa Thompson, Evan Rachel Wood, all, all of these guys are uh, I know ha- have uh, movies coming out and stuff. So, it's it's possible also too that it, it, it there's a little bit more challenging. Uh, uh, the schedules are a little bit more challenging working with actors that have become much more prominent in the in the medium as well definitely well how about you mr hustler oh in terms of podcasting i'm one and done baby (laughs) 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 well when damon comes back hustler will come back i know i'm joking man you know me if there's um there's a good show that you know something that involves theories and mystery and it doesn't have to be damon but it has to be you know pretty different and i'm sure that's going to happen i have no doubt in my mind that's going to happen because we are in the age of television so um but yeah i'm going to be listening to both you guys whenever you're on and uh i mean yeah axel keep keep on keeping on man you've got a fantastic programming coming and uh, i'm looking forward to hearing more of your shows well listen guys it has really been my pleasure to you know, do these initial reactions with so many great guests. And then, um, Aaron, you and I were getting together at this time on Tuesday at about like three o'clock my time. It was just, I look forward to it. And then Roberto, you and I would record on Thursday nights. And that was a lot of fun, kind of later night, end of the night. And you guys just really brought it with the notes and your contributions to the show. You, I mean, you made me think so much more and feel so much more about the show. And I just really appreciate the time and the effort. I know doing the shows, it takes us away from families and time and stuff, but we love doing it. And uh, it's just been a whole lot of fun. So I really appreciate the both of you very much. Um, I am going to be returning. Uh, Heath and I are going to pick up on Mindhunter season two. We already did all of season one. You can go find that. Just search Mindhunter on any podcast app. It's daily DVR does Mindhunter. Um, I'm going to be back in January with Sean and we're going to be covering Curb Your Enthusiasm. We did the last season of Curb. This season we're going to be doing a little bit different, maybe shorter pods, a little more humor from Sean. And I'm also going to be back in the very beginning of January with The Bachelor, with Sarah. That's Batch It Up. That's going to be fun. (laughs) We're going to just do one episode a week because there's like 18 hours of The Bachelor every week. But we have a ball doing that. And that's me, old married man, and her young single lady. So we get two different perspectives. And 
I just found out today that Better Call Saul is coming back February 23rd. Oh, that's a great show. And I am going to be covering Better Call Saul with my as yet unnamed co-host, who a lot of people, when when we drop who it is, going to be very excited. I'm really excited to be working with her. And I can't wait to make the announcement. So uh, I just want to confirm that before we kind of announce that and figure that all out. But for fans of other podcast world, you will recognize her. And it's going to be great fun covering Better Call Saul too. So that's what we got coming up on the uh, DVR Podcast Network. That's what it's called. But uh, I was just thinking about you guys. And really, thanks again. Because... um you know, initially Aaron and I just said, whenever Damon pod does another show, we're podcasting. And then I was all ready to go. And then Roberto was like, Hey, I'd love to do a show. And I was like, Oh my God, this is just really working out. And this has been a lot of episodes. I've done three episodes of Watchmen a week yeah, for nine weeks. That's uh, so that's like, and with the one we did, Aaron, I think in the end, I'm going to do like 27 to 30 episodes of podcasting in these nine weeks just on this one show we got one more left with michael aaron we're going to be taking feedback and getting his perspective we also might sneak in a little star wars talk because uh, Mm. this is a big star wars i got my tickets for saturday so hold up when's the next episode of the mandalorian come out Tomorrow. tomorrow tonight oh it's tomorrow yeah, well, it'll be tonight like midnight yeah. i think i think by midnight okay. tonight you should be able to see okay, it okay yeah. good, good. so Thank you. um yeah and that's another thing i'm going to be on owen and baru's barbecue talking about the mandalorian tomorrow and next week i'm going to be on ralph uh his cas- casino skunk secret society patreon mandalorian show so i'm going to keep on podcasting we're going to keep on putting them out there. We appreciate everyone throughout this entire season. Thanks again, Aaron. Thanks again, Roberto. Thank That's- you, Axel, for you having guys. us and helping and putting this whole thing together. We, we we do the easy part, which is just to come here and chat. You're doing all the production work. So thank you so much. <laughs> well, I appreciate you all. And I appreciate this show in general. So thank you, Damon. Thank you, everyone. Peace out. Peace.